Welcome to Being Better Podcast, where we explore the things that make us happier, wiser, and more productive beings. Hi, my name is Julia, and I am your host. Every week, I take a concept, a technique, or a story to learn how it can make us better. I hope that this show can help you become the person you've always wanted to be. So here we go. Welcome back or welcome to Being Better Podcast. I'm very happy you are here and I hope you are having a great day. And now I know that as you are listening to this, you are either standing or sitting down with a very bad posture and you probably look like a human question mark. So now is the time to bring your shoulder blades together, straighten your back and if you are sitting, place your elbows in a 45 degree angle. Did you do that? Okay, great. Always remember to take care of your posture and also have a mint every once in a while. I mean, I know that garlic is so tasty, but this is a bit much. So yeah, I guess thanks for coming to my TED talk. Um, Now that you are sitting straight and you have a minty fresh breath, you are more than ready to listen to this week's guest, Kate Pryor. Kate is a content creator, social media advertiser, and a YouTuber uh, producing advertisements, short films, social media content, interviews, social media campaigns, and also, of course, his incredible YouTube videos, which we will all discuss in this episode. His stock photos have reached over 18 million views and his YouTube videos well over 21 million views in total. In this episode, you will hear our discussion about the art of freelancing, making the advertisement industry more ethical, experimenting with different self-improvement techniques, minimalism and digital minimalism, among other great topics. Kate has a lot of experience with content creating, entrepreneurship and expressing yourself in a very busy world. And thus, he has a lot of knowledge to share about finding the meaning in all of these things. I think there's a lot to learn from his stories, so I'll stop right here and let you enjoy Kate Pryor. It's just a pleasure to have you here with me, Kate, today. And I want to thank you so much for taking the time to come here uh, on the show. And how are you doing today? Good. Yeah, beautiful day in Austin. So we had some uh, hail in the middle of the night, which was crazy. Uh, It was just like four o'clock in the morning, started bumping down hail. So I woke up today expecting my car to be, you know, like destroyed, (laughs) not destroyed, but having some damage, but no damage. So happy Cade. And yeah, I'm uh, happy to be on the podcast. Uh, I love to talk, so this is, you know, works out well. <laughs> so thanks for having me. I guess hail is not a common thing in Austin, right? Um, you know, I, since I've been here, which has been a year, it's hailed twice. So I guess it's common, but uh, last night it was <laughs> like, you know, where you thought the windows were going to break type of hail. Ooh. So it was, uh, it was interesting, but you know, it worked out. So no, no damage on the car. Yeah. So I'm happy. <laughs> yeah, that's great. I am just very energized, I guess. I just uh, came back from a very energizing run and 
I feel like I can do anything right now, which is always great at the beginning of the podcast. And I guess to anyone listening, if you have a bad day right now or you're not feeling great, just go and run. That always makes everything better. And yeah, I, I just, <laughs> I'm joking because uh, I talk so much about running on the show that I feel like the listeners might, must be sick of me. Um, but <laughs> yeah, it, it couldn't be a being better podcast episode if i didn't say go for a run so yeah go for a run amen um but we're not here today to talk about running i do that all the time no today we are here to talk about you kate um uh, so can you give us a quick bio and just talk about what you do who you are just for the listeners uh who might have not come across you yet Yeah, so uh, my name is Cade. Uh, I live in Austin, Texas, United States. And uh, I guess the easy way to kind of describe who I am to summarize myself is uh, a creative, right? So I'm in film photography. I've dabbled with UI and UX design for designing websites. Um, and then that's also what I do as a profession. Um, you know, I'm in digital marketing. Uh, I'm also a minimalist or what I like to call actually an intentionalist. So, you know, just kind of living life, traveling a lot, uh, working with a lot of different companies and brands, doing fun, creative stuff and hanging out and, you know, doing cool things with cool people. Uh, and I love to learn, you know, that's like a big thing for me. And I'm always continuing to learn both professionally and personally, just trying to find new things in life to kind of, you know, potentially look at it in a certain perspective or just learn new things or learn old things that are new to me, whatever the case is. So yeah, that's kind of, uh, I guess a summarize of my life. It's just like, you know, I, uh, I, I saw very early on that there's a lot of, there's a, there's a system that we can play into and our lives will head in a certain direction. And I've seen what that life looks like for a lot of people. And a lot of it, unfortunately is, you know, depression, anxiety, stress, living a life that's just not the best and it's partially due to following along this system. So I said, Hey, you know, I'm not against it. And it's definitely not, you know, if some people love it, that's fine. But what if I can live my life and choose to, you know, have things in it that are different? Um, not just to be different, but you know, I've been growing up, like I didn't go to a regular school, I was homeschooled. So I've always had this kind of interesting that's awesome. um, I've life thought yeah, about, path yeah. that's Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, it's not, I don't, and I actually don't recommend homeschool. That's the funny part. But yeah, anyways, I've always had this just kind of veering off different um, than the norm. And, you know, growing up, I thought it was actually a bad thing. Now, as I get a little older, a little bit more, you know, mature, and as I get more life experience, I realize that some of the decisions and some of the things that I am doing differently are the key components for my success in a short-term and long-term scale. So it's kind of a background of me. And then I have a YouTube channel. That's kind of where you found uh, me and, you know, my goal with that is just to add value to people's lives in any way that I can. And, uh, and I've always dabbled with certain styles of videos and certain things. And I think this year, as I've created some content, I've really kind of found what I feel like my value that I can add to people is on there. And uh, I have a ton of videos that are in the works and I'm excited to launch out. Uh, so yeah, I do that. And then I do freelance. Like I said, I actually uh, also do full-time employment for a company as well. And, uh, yeah, so it's a bunch of different stuff, uh, in the works, but that's kind of a basic bio. Yeah. Awesome. I guess you are the perfect guest for the being better podcast, because, um, I always say that this show is to the, the point of the show is to help others be the person they've always wanted to be. And I guess to learn about that, to, 
uh, see and discover who you want to be, first you have to dabble with different things. And I guess uh, your experience is very, um, you, you've experienced a lot of things and a lot of different careers. So I guess we can learn a lot about you and from you um, today. And I have a lot of questions also about the homeschooling part. But before we uh, <laughs> move uh, to all of my questions, um, let's quickly talk about the recommendations of this week, which is a segment that I have here on the show in which I ask the guests to recommend um, to the listeners and me a product, a book, a movie, podcast, or a creator or a YouTube channel, just something that you think now we can find interesting or educational or funny or whatever. Um, basically, just pick something that you have been enjoying lately. Yeah, well, I mean, so I've really been diving into a lot of books um, and that might sound, you know, I don't know, it's not the most interesting, but it is, it is cool here. for me and I have a few things, but one of the books I was reading uh, recently and it's actually interesting because I don't agree with everything that's in the book and, uh, but it's, it's a book called The Paradox of Choice and it's a very interesting concept because I love choices. Like I love the ability to choose you know, what type of food I get to eat and whether or not it's organic or whether where it comes from. Like, I like having a lot of choices, but sometimes we have too many options and too many choices that it distracts us and takes us away from what is actually we should be focusing on, right? Um, and we see this, you know, with like, you know, it's like, okay, I want to buy a car. Well, there's like hundreds, maybe thousands of cars you can buy. Like, which one's the right one for me? And it has this option and this option and this option. And, uh, and I think it's just a, the paradox of choice is that we actually don't have that many choices. And the more choices we have, the more problems we have. And this goes into a bunch of different things, but I've really found value in that and also taking it with a grain of salt too, because like I said, I love choices. I love the ability for me to pick like the perfect camera or the perfect you know, clothing that fits me, right? So there's, there's a balance to it. And that's why I, like, I don't agree with the book 100%, but there's a ton of awesome things inside of it that I've been taking a ton of value from. Um, and I wish I could reference the offer, but I don't have it written down, unfortunately. But yeah, it's a super just interesting book. And I mean, even if you look at, you know, when you go into a store, you know, there's thousands of products, but you're not looking at every single product. Like, hmm, should I buy that? No, you most of the time, you know exactly what you're gonna get as soon as you walk in. So, um, so yeah, it's, we don't actually have that many choices. We think we do, but we actually don't. And actually sometimes in certain cases, the less choices we have, the better. And, um, and yeah, so it's, uh, it's an interesting book. Like I said, I've been reading that. And another one that I've been reading is it's a book and I <laughs> don't mean to start off a little vulgar, but it's called fuck feelings. And it's just an amazing book going into, um, why, like what we can control and what we can't control. There are a lot of things in our life that we unfortunately cannot, and we are not in control of. And a lot of these things we still really, really care about, which is fine because as human beings, we care, we want to have a great life. Um, but some things are just out of our control, right? You might be the best driver in the road, but unfortunately when you're on the road, you might get hit by a car, even if you're the best driver, right? Someone else might not be a good driver, you get hit. That's something you're not in control of. And it's just an amazing, it's another great book kind of describing like, how we, you know, actually can't, there's a lot of things we're in control of, and there's also a lot of things we're not in control of. So let's maximize and focus the things that we are on in control of, and really kind of focus on that. And the things that aren't, you know, do the best we can to avoid certain situations, but also understand that sometimes things happen, life's happen, life does happen, and it's never actually a bad situation or problem if you learn from it. So those are the, those are the kind of the two things that's going through in my life. Um, 
yeah so amazing do you what about you do you have uh do you have anything that you're going through i mean usually i uh, i don't really recommend usually when i have guests on um my recommendation what i'm reading at the moment um at the moment i'm reading um the brief history of time by stephen hawking uh, just because i've been kind of my hobby lately been just reading about space which is um uh you know you can learn all about that in the episode i posted today actually with um an astrophysicist lara kamal uh, just a brief plug um so i guess that would be my recommendation but i love yours and i would i those are really the things that i do struggle with i am a perfectionist so it's very hard for me to make a decision because i want i write i want to pick something that's perfect i want to uh, when i make a purchase i want to keep in mind um the amount of money and the value that i get then and how long i'm can i can use it and i can spend a week and or month or just a lot of the time basically just by researching which product to choose and i think these books can help me with that yeah, yeah. There's definitely, like I said, sometimes it's good to have a ton of choices, but sometimes it's also a bad thing if it in, if it hinders your ability to complete something or to actually make a decision, you know? Because if you go to a store now, you have, like you said, sometimes it's price that is a choice, right? This price is better than this. Or sometimes it's, you know, yeah, like there's all these things that play into factors. And what it can do is it can cause us a lot of stress and anxiety if we're not careful. So figuring out, um, you know, figuring out how to make easier, simpler choices, but also, you know, it helps as an example, like, um, if you like, even with videos, like I haven't put a lot of videos out, um, as much as some people would recommend for me to. And that's partially due to the fact that I want people to have less choices. I want people to, when they click a video, they know it's going to get something really high quality and it's like, it's going to be exactly what they need. Versus like if I put a video out like three times a week or something like that, you know, people would have more choices, not sure what to watch. There's, you know, it's and then, yeah, so that's kind of uh, you can kind of apply this to your life and things that you're doing, both um, consumption and also creation. So, yeah, but I think in your case, it's, uh, you know, it's a good thing. You can see that, you know, usually um, you you said you made few video videos right but usually when people make few videos um they don't have a lot of subscribers and they say that you have to be consistent and uh, turn out a lot of content consistently just to uh you know have a lot of subscribers quickly but the thing is you make few videos and your channel i think you know exploded basically with the, just the, those couple of videos i was you know really surprised because when I found your channel I think I found it a couple of months ago and then I found it again um I just was surprised that you have just a couple of videos and they they are basically the quality of um, a Vox documentary just you know uh, made by one person and I thought that it's so awesome and um in your case i don't know how it looks like with different people but in your case these few videos um do not don't translate uh, the amount of experience and how good you are basically and speaking of that i think i want to talk about the quality and the style of your content uh, because it's awesome but i do Thing that it's probably not like you could always do that from the beginning um, and I'm curious when and why did you first pick up the camera and when have you decided that you know this is something that you want to do more of and do it professionally 
Yeah, so it's actually interesting, uh, an interesting story. So I, you know, growing up, I was in- always interested in kind of film and photography. When I say interested in it, aka like saw people doing it, thought it was cool, right? And uh, I had uh, just kind of this realization that I wanted to do something on YouTube as a platform. I like a lot of people have this realization, and I recommend the platform 100%. Um, and with the funny part is, so this is, this is a lot of people don't know this, but I actually was interested in starting it with a friend. So I had this idea for a channel and it was going to be me and another person. And we were going to do videos together, kind of similar to what I'm doing right now. But instead of my, myself, it was going to be with another person. For some reason, just tackling a big project feels uh, like less of a project when you have another hand on board, you know, like coming up with ideas, helping with video shoots. It sounded to me like a, a way to accomplish YouTube um, without having, you know, without having a ton of reliant on me. So we were like, let's do it, you know? And uh, so we, we bought some camera gear um, and, you know, charged it on a credit card and all this different stuff. And before we even got started, he was just like, but this is after, you know, we charged the credit card. Uh, he was like, yeah, I'm not down. I'm not going to do it. And I was just like, hmm. So I basically had, few, first of all, I had a few things. I was like, one, my idea for what I wanted to do on this platform wasn't going to happen. And I had a full-time job, but I also knew that I had some debt that I needed to pay off. And I actually don't have any debt right now. And I'm, I like to keep it that way. Um, I'm proud of that. And so when I saw this, I was like, I need to, this needs to be something that I'm pursuing and killing at and that it's like a whole it's a drive of mine or I need to to quit now before you know I waste time right so I ended up deciding to of course pursue it and I looked at um you know the gear is saying hey like I'm not going to make any money on on YouTube at least not at this moment so why don't I focus on you know freelance and what does it take to to get there and do that and uh so I just pursued you know that and Uh, learned as much as I could about almost every single industry from independent filmmaking to documentaries to, you know, professional cinematic movies, right? And like all the different key components that require, you know, to be good at it. And then just did real life experience of working with brands, working with companies. And then, and then I waited on YouTube just to see when my when my skill set, but also when I knew that I had value to bring to that platform, because I never just wanted to make videos. And also my desire was never to like grow big or make money. My desire was just like, Hey, like I like making videos and there's certain things I'm doing in my life that I like making videos about. So what if I post videos on YouTube and it brings value to people? Then, you know, it's, it's a win-win for both people, you know? But what, are, exactly. what is that, right? Like, you know, I, there's, a, there's a ton of videos that I want to make on, but unfortunately where I'm at in my life isn't that developed in that specific, you know, field. So I'm just like, yeah, like as I improve myself and learn more things and when I'm very, you know, confident or at least feel like I have value to bring, that's when a video will come out. So yeah, and you know, I even just, I took a break from posting YouTube videos for about a year um, and just revisited it, um, a few months ago. And within that year, it's all been just, you know, learning and coming up with content ideas and, you know, really kind of pushing myself. There's like this other behind the scenes stuff that happens in order for me to make these videos. So, yeah, so that's kind of the, the short term of it, or the, the easy way to describe it is like had a goal. Um, and then because of this debt or this overwhelming issue that I had to solve, it was the drive, the push for me to continue. And then, I, and, then I, and then I realized, based upon my clients' responses, and also just, first of all, I liked it, right? It was fun. It was entertaining. 
I was able to make relatively good money doing it and I was good at it, right? Like th the three things aligned really well. And, uh, and then from there on out, it's just been, you know, it's basically my life, you know, like that's all I do <laughs> yeah. besides, you know, like sports and activities and stuff. But, you know, my free time is reading and learning about marketing or filming and stuff like that. So it's, uh, it's cool how it's, what it's turned into, you know? I, I wanted to ask you also, because, um, from what I've seen, your first video is the most watched one, the most viewed one. Yeah. Um, and it's interesting. Um, and I want to also ask you if you've deleted some episodes, uh, some videos, because um, I, I think that the first three ones are very interesting and very different ones, um, which you can explain um, to the listeners. But, um, you know, there's a big jump, you know. Uh, you can see your first um, videos, which were, I guess interesting situations from a skate park and yep. then <laughs> and then moving on to very high quality you know just videos on youtube so how yeah. what was the story behind that yeah so that's kind of a, that's, i mean so if you ask like the first time i ever saw a bit of success from filming or youtube was actually with my phone um at a skate park and it was um i think it was about nine years ago And I was just skateboarding, you know, growing up, I loved to do kind of extreme sports relatively and skateboarding was in that. And yeah, I was just like at a skate park and saw these people arguing and filmed a video of it uh, on my phone and then put it on YouTube. And then over a, over a course of, you know, now it sits at like 15 or 16 million views and over, you know, a course of that nine year time frame, it's accumulated that. I think the biggest peak it ever hit was like maybe like three or four years in it hit like eight or nine million so it has like you every video has like a really high peak and then it just kind of does its thing for a while afterwards and slowly accumulates but yeah that was a that was a, that was an interesting one and then I was like huh like I people this literally it's like it's the definition it's an interesting one but it's the definition of just putting a video out there and it goes viral right it wasn't like let yeah. me do these 10 things it was literally like I just happened and at the time it was like using best practices so it's like SEO, how you title it, the thumbnail, um, how you're tagging it, what you put in the description, and then just letting it kind of do its thing. Um, and yeah, it was, you know, it's such an interesting video, especially when I look at, it was definitely a drive. Like that was this, that was the drive for me to be like later on down the road when I was like, hmm, I see this platform, right? That having a lot of potential. And um, that was what encouraged me to make the videos I make now, even though it's even though it's different, right? Because that was about uh, someone fighting at a skate park, <laughs> and I, I even posted a video after that that had um, another one. Um, I even uh, when, when I was young, I got uh, jumped, um, and I put a video of me on like the news, which is I did delete that video. Um, and yeah, so it's just interesting, like what it what it started off as, which was like skate park and like you know yeah. arguments um that was the the tester for me to be able to be like okay this is something that first of all has potential and uh and second of all that you know uh, it was it was interesting because i could have went down that path right i could have just like made more videos like that but that wasn't what i wanted to do and i didn't feel like i mean made people laugh or smile or i don't know what it did but it didn't add the value that i wanted to to give to people um, that I get when, you know, they see hopefully a video that they watch nowadays that I make. So the transition yeah. um, was, you know, that's how I got started on that platform in specific. 
And that was the inspiration for me to create other videos that are completely different from that. They still live on there because, yeah, you know, exactly. that's how it is. But yeah, that's how these um, things work, you know. I think, you know, um, you have so much experience and um, it's very... I guess you've learned a lot since that, you know, first couple of videos. And I'm curious um, right now well, how your creative process looks like. Uh, so can you walk me through that from, you know, the moment when inspiration strikes or whatever that is uh, to then hitting upload or if it's working with clients, you know, sending that file to, to the brand? Yeah. Um, so it's, it's, it's very, it's interesting when it does happen. So there's a few things that I've done, um, as, as a creative, right. You can only push yourself, but so far and so hard before you hit that burnout level. But even before burnout, there's like my creativity determines whether or not I get good sleep, whether or not I eat good food, whether or not I do these things, whether or not I have a social life. Right. So like, even if I wanted to just like cut all these things out, eat horrible food, like my videos would suffer. My ideas would suffer. It's an interesting aspect because some companies and some positions at companies, the job that they have and the success that they have at the company does not correlate to having a good personal life. That's why a lot of CEOs have a horrible personal life because they neglect aspects of their life in order to have success there. But the interesting thing about, I don't know, I don't know if this is the way, I would assume it's the way for all creatives. But the interesting thing about me is that I have to have that personal life where I'm hanging out with cool people, with people that I respect, learning, you know, eating good food, like all the, it has to, all the, all the boxes need to be checked because that's how I feel good. That's how my brain is working and functioning. You know, if I didn't get good sleep last night, I wouldn't be the same person on this podcast versus if I didn't. Right. So there's, for me, it's crucial to have that aspect. And then I've created frameworks for creativity as far as just like daily routine, you know, putting myself in a situation where creativity can spark. And the way that I usually do whenever it's a, so we can break this down because there's two aspects, right? You have like, you know, the creativity behind like a video and then you also have the creativity behind like, you know, a video for a client, right? So video for YouTube and video for client are two different ones, but it's so random. I mean, it will be like, I'll just be like at a dinner, Right. And I, I like to stay in the moment, definitely. But I'll be like at a dinner and just like an idea will pop into my head. And I'll have to quickly like write it down somewhere. So usually the way that it's set up and I use a, I use a platform called Notion. Love it. It's amazing. And uh, yeah, I usually will just kind of. Yeah, we're a big fan of Notions here. Yeah. So I usually would just have, I have a, pro, I have a video tracker inside of that and it, I just dump ideas into it. And then when I'm looking at kind of where I feel inspired or where I feel like the value is there for that video, then it goes into the research behind it. So of course, every video that I do, I try to do as, as much research as I can, even if I don't use the information, just really understanding it. And then it goes into the, you know, what, what do I need to say? What is the, what's the video that um, I can create that hasn't been done before. Maybe like I want, I don't just want to make a video that someone else has made, right? I want to do something that's different, that's unique, that has, you know, all this different stuff. So there's a lot of research and then I script my videos. I don't actually read from a script, but I, it's not, I don't even memorize the lines. It's just like outlining a video, right? So it's like, I know that, and the outline is like really complex, but I know that like, I'm going to say, you know, 10 words here. And then from when I say these 10 words, then I'm going to transition the music. And it's like writing down everything. And sometimes this changes, but it's just a way to kind of make the video come alive. Uh, and then I film it and then the editing and then, uh, and then it's uploaded. 
So yeah, that's kind of the, the interesting part is it starts with the idea, which comes from random times, most of the time, or I'll just like get inspired from someone or hearing something or like someone will say something like, oh, you should do a video about that. And I'm like, yeah, that's a great idea. I think I will write it down. And then, you know, once again, I'm, I'm a little picky with what I do post because like you, I'm also a perfectionist. And uh, so yeah, then the process just goes from idea to research, to scripting, to filming, to editing, to uploading. And then if, you know, if you're looking at the same thing, most of the time for a, for a company, it, they would reach out to me like, hey, or I'd reach out to them like, hey, I have this idea for a video or I have this idea for, for some piece of content. This is my idea. This is what it takes to get it done. What do you think? So, and it's a similar idea with that. And then sometimes it's the other way around where a company reaches out to me and they're like, hey, we'd love to do a video about this. Most of the time their ideas are super basic. They're like, well, we want a really cool like hype video or like a, you know, a video that makes me feel good. Like that's the, it's, I'm like, well, what am I, you know, what am I doing with that? You know? And, uh, but anyways, so it's, sometimes it's, you know, coming up with ideas and sometimes the ideas are thrown onto me and I have to play with them. And then, yeah, that's, uh, then the same thing happens. Research, script, uh, film, edit, upload, or send to client. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. I like that. Uh, for me, it's a bit different, I guess, because I've I I like to talk about different talk to different creatives because I like to see the differences. For me, it's a bit different because I feel like um, inspiration is like I guess everything is inspiration, but my brain coming up with the idea ideas with in different like random places. That's like half, like fifty percent of um, what I do. A lot of the time, it's just like. I'm searching for some for an idea or I'm reading something and then I I kind of push myself to find the inspiration and I like the quote that um someone asked a writer once and uh, do you write when inspiration strikes or just when and he said um I write only when inspiration strikes, but thankfully it always strikes uh, at 9 a.m. sharp. And I think it's a, <laughs> it's a nice quote because, right, you know, sometimes you have to push yourself to kind of produce the inspiration and, and get inspired, but do it like kind of mechanically create it. Yeah, because if you're not careful, waiting for inspiration can turn into procrastination. You're like, well, I'm not really feeling inspired right now. I don't really have an idea, so I'm just going to wait, you know, until that happens. And it's like, well, it probably is never going to happen. Um, I've, and that's kind of what's, I've read a few books about this. It's like creating, creating a framework or creating a routine to have, like, to f almost force yourself to be inspired, like you said. And like, because if you're waiting for it, it might never happen. Um, and I would say, you know, the, the cool part, thankfully, about, and this is just kind of unique to kind of my life and the, the routine and things that I've created, but I would say every, every day I'm getting, you know, my brain is going through like five or 10 ideas for like videos, both professionally, personally, and also just like, you know, like whatever's going on. And I do believe it's kind of the same thing where like I have kind of created routines and systems. We can actually talk about what those are, but, um, for kind of just, yeah, letting that for kind of forcing my brain to get in this in super inspired mode. I also know when the when the time for me to be most inspired is, which is usually in the morning time. So I usually make sure I mean, sometimes I can't do this with certain clients, they have to have a call at, you know, like I had a call this morning um, that pushed this out a little bit. So like, sometimes I can't, uh, you know, 
always have it exactly how I want to, but most of the time it's like, yeah, morning time is the most time I'm inspired. That's when I kind of let these things kind of play out and uh, create a framework for that. So I love that you do that because, yeah, some people use that as procrastination. They'd be like, well, I'm not mm -hmm. really inspired right now, so I'll just wait until it happens later. It's like, well, <laughs> you're, you're never going to be inspired, okay, because life's going to happen, yeah. shit's going to happen, and that's just how it is. So you need to sit down and, you know, get to it. For some people, it might work. For some people, it doesn't. So it just depends. But I love that. I think I want to use your experience uh, more uh, and squeeze out all of the little drops of knowledge. Because I think these days, a lot of us, you know, work for home, from home. And we can see that there are so many amazing creators who make a living out of their productions. And I think these days, a lot of people are considering trying the lifestyle of a freelancer and I think that's great but it is also not fit for everyone in, mm -hmm. in my opinion and it's not as glamorous as everyone thinks um, and since you have so much experience with self-employment what in your opinion are the most important aspects of it to consider before making that leap become before becoming quote a freelancer Yeah, so it's interesting because people, a lot of times when they look at YouTubers or they look at anyone who's creating, especially like people look at my job and they're like, oh my gosh, it must be, it must be so fun, right? Like you get to make videos and, you know, all, and it, I do it and I love it and it's a great job. But part of the fun thing, um, and this is, I'm a climber, so I'll kind of explain how this correlates, but part of it being fun is how challenging and difficult it is, right? Like there's been times when some of my most stressful times in my life have been doing my job as a freelance content creator, right? And it's like that moment when, you know, this brand is paying you a lot of money and they're relying on you to get it done and you have all of these responsibilities and things that have to play out and there's so many things that could go wrong and and then throughout the shoot or throughout things, they're not going exactly how you plan, so you have to adapt and it's super stressful there's a ton of resistance that your brain is firing in your head like don't do this run away you know these things happen and um and yeah so it's it's always interesting kind of you know when i when i look at freelance and i think about you know other people doing it there's a there's an it factor definitely and what i mean by the it factor there needs to be this drive inside of you that that pushes through the resistance. And I don't know what that is. I have mine and that's a whole, you know, we could get into that if we wanted to, but there has to be this, this thing because you need to wake up in the morning. No one's telling you to wake up in the morning, right? You need to wake up in the morning and you need to have systems in place. And you, there needs to be this motivation and discipline that comes from something, right? And I don't know what that is. And it's not like if your motivation is, well, I just don't want to work for a company because I don't respect like the, you know, the bosses and like the people there. It's like, that's not going to work because there's going to be a time when, you, when it gets so tough and rough that, you know, um, that you're not, that's not going to be motivation anymore. So there needs to be a really deep drive that will push you through those hard times. And the reward for it is great. And the way that I describe it is like, it's, so I rock climb and rock climbing when you do that. It's very difficult, very challenging, and you fall a lot. And usually there's like a route is what we call it, or like a set of a climb that you're trying to accomplish. And in that climb, you fall a bunch. You have to figure out how to get through it. It's very challenging. It hurts your fingers. Every time you fall, it hurts. You know, you're sw swinging into the wall. It's dangerous, all these different things. But the reward at the end is so high when you do accomplish that because of how challenging it was. So I'd say the same thing with freelance. Like 
because it's so challenging, because you have to push through it, when you do have something that turns out well or that's successful, it's, it's just super, super satisfying. So that would be my one tip is like, make sure you have your why, right? And your why needs to be motivated in something that isn't superficial or that isn't something that's like, oh uh, yeah, I just can't respect, like, you know, I don't like the way my boss talks to me this way or whatever. Like it needs to be something else than that. And it also can't be rooted in money. Like if your if your motivation is like, I just want to make a bunch of money and become successful and famous, that's, that's horrible form of motivation in my opinion it might work for you for a little bit but then when you get there you're going to be very depressed so and the and the point is is like people look at that as youtube too like every time i make a video it's very like i know a lot of people relatively right not like a lot but relatively maybe thousands would watch it um and there's a there's a chance that over a long period of time it could be millions of people that watch it and you're putting your work and your life out there and just like anything in life not everyone's going to like you. There's some people that like my videos and some people that don't. It's not a bad thing. Um, but it is, there's a, this, this thing of like, I'm putting all of my work and hard work into this and I know someone out there is going to hate it. And that's, that's, it's a hard thing to wrap your head around, you know? But at the same time, like I said, it's, it's worth it in the end because anything that has a lot of challenges in the beginning, the reward for it's usually really high. So that's kind of where, where I'm at with it. So yeah, that would be my one uh, advice or tip is just like, if you get into freelance, understand that you need to have this drive that will push you through the really hard times. But the good, the beautiful thing about it is there's a lot of reward for um, doing it. And if you're doing it in an oversaturated space like film and photography, you have to really be thinking creatively. You have to really have good systems in place because there's a lot of competition out there. So you really have to stand out. If the you know if there's if there's a you know um, a bunch of brown cows right? You need to be the purple cow in that field. So how do you become that is a whole nother, you know, topic, but yeah. So, yeah. And if you, um, if you could say what was like the misconception that you found was actually, you know, that you were surprised, um, that wasn't true about freelancing when you came and you realized, holy shit, I thought that it's a completely different thing. And now look, so, uh, have you experienced that? Yeah, I think it's kind of on the on the the board of like people think it's just like oh like you know, um, it's very easy or just like very fun because it's like you know if I want to I can do whatever I want to do today technically right sort of to a certain point like I mean that that's the way I mean most if you get to a certain level in certain companies that's the case anyways but you know if I want to like not do any work and just sit on my phone and watch TV or like play video games and eat pizza I could technically do that right like and. I could push things off to a next day. So it's, it's a pro and con because the pro is that you do have the ability to do whatever you want, but the side of it is you need the discipline to say, no, I need to do what's right for my company because it's freelance and also it needs to be like, I need to be disciplined in it because no one, there isn't someone calling me on the phone. I mean, maybe clients, but there isn't like a boss that's like, get off you know, your butt and get to work you need to be the person doing that. So that's probably the misconception. It's like people, I, I, in my opinion, and I wouldn't say that this was 100% true, but it was like, oh, that must be great. Like just like having free time and you choose what and you get to do something and what you get to do something. Somewhat true, but you still need to have the discipline and push yourself through that, you know? Um, yeah. So. I love that. Thank you for all your advice. <laughs> and I also wanted to ask you, because you do a lot of like little experiments. I guess, you know, it comes out from your urge to improve, which is something that we share, you know, the biggest reason why I started this podcast called 
may I remind you, being better, is because I am really interested in finding out about different techniques to make my life more meaningful. And I guess from all of the experiments that you've done in your life and learning, you know, both ones that you recorded and also the ones that you only experienced by yourself, which of them have improved your life the most or changed you the most and which ones you are just like happy to say you know what I, I tried that and I don't want to do it anymore thank you goodbye and so what was that yeah um so the way that I look at uh, a lot of these experiments it all it, it starts off with um and I've kind of oh sorry I'm getting Sorry about that. Um, but yeah, the way that I look at these experiments is I usually will look at kind of, um, I kind of describe this, right? Like I was homeschooled growing up. And this is an interesting aspect because growing up, people looked at me like I was lesser and like like dumber. Like, And I actually ended up going to private school when I was in high school. And then I realized that it was like literally like, like educational wise, I was not to be like mean, but just like years ahead of them. Um, and I actually ended up graduating when I was 16 because of that. And it was interesting because growing up, it was always like, you know, you're doing things wrong because you're not fitting into the system, right? Like people were making fun of me, all this different stuff. And I did feel, I actually felt that, like not in a bad way. Um, but I felt like I was like, huh, like what if I am not getting the same education they are and all this different stuff? So what that, that seed planted in my head and realizing that was wrong, it made me question a lot of things that were in our society and it's you know it's different for every society right some cultures are against eating cows right and then they can eat you know dogs and cats our culture where i live in the united states is against eating you know dogs and cats but they will eat cows kind of an interesting analogy but this applies to in my opinion a lot of things in life so i just kind of had this open mind where i'm like hey yes like you can benefit from going to school but also you could benefit from not going to school and going like being homeschooled so what's the same thing with like different things in my life, right? Like, what about what I eat? What about what I sleep on? What about what I put on my body? What about what I put on my feet? What about the clothes? What about the people I hang out with? What about the knowledge or information that I learned? Like, it went down all these different things. Um, the biggest thing, and this is not probably the most special and unique, um, but it's, it's, and it's actually something I've never made a video on, but it's also just like my health in general. Experimenting with diets, experimenting with different sleep um, ways of sleeping that kind of goes to, I sleep on a, um, an interesting Japanese bed, but, um, yeah, like uh, the health in general, just like doing experiments to promote better health, um, is an interesting one because I actually growing up was not the most healthy person. Um, you know, I was eating horrible food. Um, I had, you know, an interesting connection with, um, you know, like, tobacco at, at a certain point in my time and my life and it was interesting just when I really realized how much health played a factor in my life and doing experiments like what should I eat you know I um one of the things I do I don't, I don't you probably it's very common nowadays but back in the day when I was doing it it was not it's like blue light blocking glasses so I had these glasses they're orange just like super orange they're called swan wicks amazing and I got them before they were popular and like people just thought it was freaking weird and I got amazing sleep from it, right? So it's stuff like this where I was just like, what can I, what are some things that I can try? And almost everything health related, even if it didn't work out, 
has been, you know, a step forward. Like I went vegan, I tried that for a little bit. Then I went, you know, paleo and then I went vegan, and then I went whole 30 and we could go down the list of all these different things that I've tried and kind of found my perfect diet for me. doesn't mean it's perfect for everyone and it's constantly still changing. So I would say anything health related has been just like experimenting with that has been a big, um, you know, it's, it's a little less specific, but it's also, there's so many things inside of that that have been the key, key factor in my like short-term success and like these bad bad uh, bad experiments that you were you would never recommend to to anyone do you have you had any experience with that um you know i i would say i I haven't had an i think i haven't had one where i'm like whoa that was really really bad um i you know I, i i quit caffeine for like 30 or 45 days um in 2019 and i thought it was great um But it was also, I would say, like, so nowadays I drink actually tea. I don't drink coffee anymore. Um, and I, that was one that I had kind of a bad experience on just because I felt like, you know, there was, um, I don't know. It just, it just wasn't really anything that was benefiting me. And if anything, it just caused, like, me to have more stress and less in, and like, I don't know. It just wasn't a good experience, and it's hard to explain. I didn't actually make a video about that. But, um, but yeah, I can't really think of anything in specific that was like super bad. I just think with any experiment, you can go over the top, right? So like one of the things I did was I slept on the ground, um, <laughs> just the complete ground for, for, I think it was like two weeks. And that was actually because I had the idea. I knew I was going to transition to what I sleep on now, which is a very thin mattress and it's called a shiki button. But when I slept on the floor for two weeks, like, that was, it was challenging, right? It wasn't the best. It was, it was, but like, it was only two weeks, not that big of a deal. But if you would have pushed that, I mean, some people do that. Some people just sleep on the floor, no cushion, totally fine. So I think with anything in life, it's like, you know, you can do an experiment, but you might push it to a level where you, you shouldn't do it that long. Like, I think if I would have still continued to sleep on the floor, I'm not sure if that was the perfect, you know, thing for me. So it took me experimenting with something else. So I don't know. It's an interesting one, but no, I, I haven't quite, I'm sure I will. But, but that's great, you know, it means that, you know, if you are interested in trying different things, uh, most of the time you will be happy with the result. It, it only means that if you are focusing on improvement and trying out different techniques, um, the ratio of finding things that will really improve your life and things that will harm you is, you know, really, you know, probably like 90, 10. Uh, yeah. And I think that's awesome. And I, you know, I don't want to project on you that you had any kind <laughs> of the things that were harming you. Um, just were curious. But if you haven't, that that is great um, because um, you, I guess you tried a lot of things and... Another thing about, you know, these experiments, um, you've, I think you've experimented a lot of uh, minimalistic shoes, for example, or, right, the mattress. And, and I like that you spoke a lot about how the advertisement uh, of these, for example, cushioned shoes can be dangerous. And we are fed this image, you know, of wealth or of, health when in reality these companies and these products are very dangerous and they don't they they, the companies don't care about the consumers and they only care about the revenue and i do agree with that you know you are talking about that advertisement 
can be dangerous and I think it's intriguing that a lot of the things that are unconventional are things that are the complete opposite of what is advertised online and that is usually what's healthy for us but you also are in the industry of advertising and I'm curious because as a content creator working with different brands and working on advertisements how do you navigate that process of productions and making sure that the things that you create um, are not these things that we can call manipulation or things that can actually harm people um, because I think this industry advertising industry uh, is a difficult one to navigate I guess definitely yeah I think for me so I mean I don't know the exact number but you'd be surprised how many advertisements you see on a daily basis Um, you know platforms are built off of it social platforms like YouTube like you know um, Instagram Facebook we can go down the list there's a they're built off of advertising right you don't pay to be on Instagram how Instagram makes money is your time, like your your amount of time you spend on it and the amount of advertisements that they show you. So their goal is to get that to being as much as possible. And then the advertiser is also looking at it from the standpoint of like, hey, I have a product that I need to convince people to buy. That's basically what it is, right? It's like, I've created this product, whether it's Coca-Cola or cigarettes or whatever the case is, and I need people to buy it, right? And the problem is, is that we had a shift. I wouldn't say, well, I don't know if it's a shift, but we had a, the ability to kind of create, relatively speaking, whatever we wanted to. And a lot of things that we would create, we didn't even know some of the health effects or some of the, the issues with a lot of the products that we created. And, and companies simply saw it as like, hey, like I can advertise this to someone and say this, and it's completely legal, and I can convince people that they need this product. And um, if you actually look into it, it's actually doing a lot of harm and a lot of damage. So I made the argument that that's actually what's going on with shoes. So, uh, and for the, those who don't understand, my, my argument is that we actually don't really need shoes. There are, and once again, anything I, anything I say is definitely for, it's like, each to its own, right? Whatever yeah, works for me, may the not weirdo, work. I also think that, you know, minimalistic shoes for running and for walking are great. And yeah, it's uh, a big scheme that with running, you need uh, cushion shoes and you yeah. need uh, stabilization and pronation and all these kind of things. Um, yeah. But you can and continue. It, yeah, and it, it, it makes sense if you, if you think about it because it's like, all right, so if I'm a company and I'm looking to create a product and I do make shoes, my goal is like, how can I make the next product and then convince people that they need to buy it? So if I'm a company and I make shoes, it's like, well, a lot of people run. What if we make a product that helps people run? And they may genuinely think that it does, right? But of course, they're not going to recommend like, like it, how does you going barefoot or not buying their shoe benefit them? It doesn't. So they're going to f- try to find the way that, you know, I, I do believe that some of these companies do think that, you know, shoes help you or whatever the case is, but they just don't really look deep enough into it. And why would they? Because they don't make any money if if the contrary is true. So yeah, it's like, you know, we saw this with shoes and it's like, oh yeah, buy this, you know, buy this shoe that has this crazy arch support and cushion that will make you run faster or like, you know, and then it became a fashion thing. So companies are like, well, I'm going to make the next pretty looking shoe. And it's a trickle effect of like something being trendy in a culture 
companies realizing that there is a trend and that there's a market for it and then trying to come out with innovative products. But the products actually are not innovative at all. They're actually just people sitting in a room coming up with these random ideas and then putting really good marketing behind it and convincing people that they need it and that it's going to solve this issue that it actually doesn't. And they, and, and some companies will even go as far as putting, you know, like they'll put money into studies. Like if you look at marketing, it's more than just advertising. And some of the best advertisements in the world are actually ones you don't even know are advertisements. Like I've seen a few advertisements for Amazon Alexa on a platform like TikTok and they weren't advertisements. They were just like funny TikTok videos that had Amazon Alexa built into it. And it's pretty obvious that it was an ad and sometimes it's not, but it's like the best ad nowadays are even ones that like, you know, are not even, you don't even know it's an ad when you're watching it, right? So the point is, is that like when, as I am in digital marketing and whenever I work with a company, the first things first that I ask myself is would I use it? Like, would I, would I use this product? Because if I would use it and I have my core values and I have my set of beliefs and things I will or won't do, and I'm not perfect throughout my life, I will find new things that I've been doing that are bad or whatever. Like, so I'm still kind of in the progress, right? But first things first is would I use it, right? Do I find value in it? You wouldn't be surprised the amount of people that have sent me products and I sent it right back to them in the mail, I swear. Um, it's insane. Even companies like I've, there was a barefoot shoe company that sent me a pair of, they had these, uh, they were called, and I'm not, I mean, I'll, I'll talk bad about them. I don't really care. They're called carrots. And they had these like professional barefoot shoes, $350, put them on trash, just horrible, like horrible shoes, not good at all. And I was like, Hey, I, I can't make a video unless you want me to just like talk shit about your company. I can't make a video about this because it's just, it, you didn't do good. I'm sorry. It's, and it's like some people, I, I'm not sure if other people would have the same high standards, but I believe that if we're trying to push, I mean, at the end of the day, someday, and this is an unfortunate, um, you know, realization, some people don't like to hear this, but it is true. At some point in time, I will no longer be on this earth. And only thing that's left here is my impact or legacy that I've left. So would it feel good? Would it feel like I left anything on this earth if I was promoting or working with a company that I don't believe in that doesn't help people or that makes people worse? No, right? I could be a millionaire and make a ton of money promoting Coca-Cola, but I wouldn't like when I die and my money doesn't, you know, money doesn't matter to me anymore. What did I, what did I leave on this earth? So yeah, it's an interesting, I, I truly believe that that mindset needs to be like, focused on with more people, especially in advertising. And there will be a shift if it happens, where if people won't promote a product that, I mean, I think it's, it, there's always going to be people that will, right? But I think there's going to be a shift when you start to see more people really kind of opening their minds and being like, yeah, like maybe me drinking diet soda every day is not a good thing to drink, right? And maybe these advertising companies aren't good. And let me find the companies that I believe in. And then those companies will have a market and people trying to buy it. And then it will just be a trickle effect. So yeah, when it comes to making ads or just, you know, working with brands, it's all about what I use it. And then do I feel like it actually adds value to people's lives? And then, uh, and that's it. So I do think have more like people. Tactics, like advertising tactics that are for you off limit. Like you say, you know, I'm, I assume that there are a lot of unethical quote, unethical. I mean, everything can be, you know, said that it's ethical or not, but I think there are a lot of tactics that advertisers use, which, um, I don't know might not be great. So do you have like kind of things that you could do, but you say that that is off limits, that you don't want to be that 
kind of um, advertiser or, you know, a creator of, yeah. of our advertisement. Yeah, I think the biggest thing for me, so I mean, there's there's so many different tactics, like you said, and some are some are bad and some are good. And I can't really, I, I don't want to go too much into detail on some of the things I do use because they are super creative and unique. But the biggest thing that I do is um, when it comes to my tactics, because um, I, I, I've heard of some that are really interesting that I wouldn't, I would say are just really negative and bad. But when it comes to ways that I do things is like, hey, like, I mean, the optimal goal of advertising is simply this, like, you know, this is the product or this is the service or this is the thing and your life is incomplete without it. And you are, you are not the same person unless you have this product, but core fundamentally, I don't believe that's true as a minimalist. I do believe that we have almost everything we need and only occasionally will something come up that will add a ton of value to your life. So one of the things, I mean, I recently did an ad and I made it funny, literally about that, right? Like on how companies are trying to tell you that this product is like the best thing ever in your life is going to be just completely, like I made a comedy ad and it was really difficult and it's in the process of being editing. So I'm not sure even how it turned out, but we'll see. But I, th I think I just based upon, I directed it and based upon it, it looked awesome and I'm super excited to see it. But yeah, so like, I mean, I kind of also see the tactics that they're doing and sometimes can play a joke around it too. Um, but that's the biggest thing for me is like, it doesn't really make sense for me to tell someone that they're inadequate or they need this product and their life isn't the same without it. It's simply showing okay. the value that this product brings, right? And the value that your life could have if you did have this product, but that has to have, that needs to be true. So one of the, one of the companies that I'm working with right now, they create, they're actually called best self. So kind of like you have the being better podcast. This company is all about becoming their best version of themselves or products to help you become your best self. So they create journals, they create conversation decks, all this different stuff. I'm not going to talk too much about it, but, um, yeah, one of the things in it is like, um, you know, like I said, a journal and it's like, do you need a journal? Well, like technically you don't really need a lot of stuff, right? Like you'd be surprised how much little things you actually need, but you know, yeah, a journal is going to help you out. You're going to be pretty <laughs> productive with it. And why don't we just say that? Yeah. Like, what if you came to someone and you're like, guess what? You don't need this product, but your life's going to be a lot better with it. <laughs> like, like, like right. That. So like there's certain ways of, you know, doing things and people have been used to just advertising being like, you need this, you need this, you need this. And it's like, well, what if you take a more relaxed approach? What happens? So I've tested a bunch of things out um, with certain companies and certain brands and seen a ton of success from it, at least relatively speaking. So, so yeah, it's interesting. I really, I do really like that. Um, so I have a couple of questions left. I guess I have to pick a couple of them because I don't want this podcast to be like the longest podcast <laughs> on earth. But we have some stuff left to talk about and I'm interested in your story with minimalism and i guess first um can you say where did you first learn about minimalism and how has this practice um, start to influence then later um you know other areas of your life yeah yeah totally and i apologize for speaking so much i told you i love to talk um no yeah no. yeah, yeah no, no, I'm kidding. This, um, is, you know, this is why you're here yeah yeah, yeah. but uh so so yeah for minimalism um it's such a i so i i actually lived with a, a girlfriend which is of course an ex now for four years and this was right when i moved out of um right when i got out of high school 
and um, and like graduated at 16, moved out immediately, started living with her, and I lived there for four years. And it was interesting because it was just a a very negative experience to say the least. Um, and well, I mean, it wasn't, it's a learning experience hundred percent, but it was very, I realized I didn't have fundamental systems in place. Like I'm very organized. I have to be for my videos. I have to be for my photos. And also on a personal scale, like I just had a bunch of stuff I didn't need. I felt like my life was super chaotic and it had no purpose and it had no intention or path. And I found minimalism. I can't, I don't know where or who, I think it was a few different things from like a documentary from a friend that was trying it and all this different stuff. So when it ended up us, you know, parting ways and breaking up, I realized I was like, hey, this actually like is something I want to try and let's see what happens. And just right away just felt this like anxiety relief and just stress relief. And I was just like, damn, like I don't need this to be happy or this thing to fill this cup. My cup's already filled right now. So what actually I can do to make my life better is like read this pursue this, hang out with these people. And I'm super into sports. So it was like, you know, rock climbing, snowboarding, surfing, all this different stuff. We go out on the list. So it was just a really way, good way for me to figure out what adds value and what doesn't. And people thought I was weird. Uh, I mean, I am weird, but you know, it, it was interesting kind of hearing people like say, well, what the, what the, what does that mean? Minimalism, you know? And it was always like a response that I'd have to tell people. Uh, and now I use the word intentional or intentionalist because that's kind of the idea behind minimalism is like you've put a lot of intention into things that you actually haven't been. Um, like a lot of times we're just like, oh, let's go shop and buy a bunch of clothes. And it's like, well, if you put intention behind it and you really think about it, you actually don't need a lot of stuff. So use the word intentionalism. And I kind of, I mean, I found it basically, the, the push for it was um, realizing that I wasn't really a fan of my life when I was living with this person and it was very chaotic. And then I just ended up trying it and uh, haven't went back since, so. Yeah, I think a lot of people don't really understand minimalism because of the name, so I guess uh, why I understand why you decide to use different term because people think that minimalism, it means that you cannot have a lot of stuff. And, well, basically, minimalism means that you focus on the things that are important to you, that bring you joy, that bring you meaning, and that are important to you, and you quit everything else. And, you know, in the re like as a result, you don't have a lot of things, but this is not the goal. The goal is to focus on the stuff that really bring you happiness and joy. And if that means you have to have a lot of, I don't know, books or a lot of crochet materials, because that's what brings you joy, you can have a lot of these things. But then, you know, crap like Christmas decorations or... Um, toxic people because it doesn't it doesn't necessarily have to be things uh, these are the things you know that don't bring you value then then you just quit them and you toss them and I think a lot of people can have some misconceptions or have like stereotypes uh, about minimalism but it doesn't you know all it means is just focusing on what's important to you and I do really find a lot of um, value i guess in 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 that approach and i also think um you know there's this new well new basically notion um that is called digital minimalism and i find that as a content creator 
it is hard for me um, to find a balance in using my devices and spending my time on social media because, you know, it literally is a job. And I think, you know, you have to post something or Instagram or respond to the comments or the DMs because you want to build a community and, you know, give something back to the viewers. But then it can take a toll on your mental health or just on your time management. And it, for me, also can take a form of addiction because I have an addictive personality. And just because, you know, I want to make sure that I go on social media to respond to people then I can end up sitting there more than actually I need to and it just it's not fun and I know that you have done a lot of work to use your devices more you know just smart and carefully um so can you I guess explain how has your journey with digital minimalism started and where have you learned about it and also how do you implemented in your life as a uh, content creator yeah no great great question uh, i love this one because it's it's an interesting thing this the digital world is a new thing right it hasn't been around for very long and now we have it and it's a very it's a great thing right we are talking you know via um you know, video chat and you're, you're across the world and I'm across a different part and whatever. So there's a ton of pros with it and there's also a ton of cons with it. And the reason why I use this term digital world, because just like you have the physical world, there's also another world and that's literally the digital world. And there's a few things with digital minimalism. One is like the organization of like, just like you have possessions in the physical world, you also have possessions in the digital world, which applies to the photos you have, the videos you have the apps you have, the friend you have on the apps, uh, the people you follow, like these are all in the, I call them possessions or things that exist in that world. And then you also have the consumption of these things, right? Which is how much time do you spend on these platforms? How much time are you spending, you know, scrolling through Instagram? How much are you time watching TikToks and stuff like that? So you have uh, two aspects. And the, 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 the easy way of describing this is, in my opinion, this is just my viewpoint, is that the digital world should consist 20% the physical world should be 80%. So your priority should be in the physical world and there should still be some some amount of it, right? But it's only 20% of your life. And even that's a little much. Uh, and there will be times when it's, you know, zero and you need to take a break. And there will be times maybe when it's 50 or like, you know, you go through it. Um, and I have systems in place for how I keep my things organized for uh, video and photo stuff, but also just like very specific on who I follow on TikTok or not TikTok, Instagram. I don't, I don't really watch TikTok. Um, but I'm very specific on like what information I consume, right? And there's all these things in place. But the biggest thing that I'd recommend when it comes to digital minimalism is just understand that just like the physical world, there's a lot of abundance. There's even more abundance on, on these social platforms or searching things on Google or reading articles. There's so much information online and some of it can help you and some of it can hurt you. So you need to have um, boundaries, guidelines, guards in place, you need to set limits. Um, a famous YouTuber and someone you're probably familiar with is Matt Diavella, and he actually ends up deleting uh, some of his apps, his social apps from his phone per week because he doesn't want it to distract him. And it's the same thing with me. It's like, yeah, like I will actually go ahead and just like when I'm doing some deep work, turn off my phone. Like whatever's on there can wait. So it's just paying attention to it, putting a lot of thought into it, right? Like putting a lot of, a lot of 
like deep thought and I don't know what that is going to be for you, but if you put some intention behind it, figure out what works, test some things out, understand that, especially on a platform like TikTok, I've seen so much bad information and so much bad like advice on that platform. So just understand that there isn't, not everything you read or see online can actually be helping you. Some of it can be hurting you. And yeah, if you live the life where it's like 80% physical, 20% digital, I think that's a, that's a good place to kind of, you know, prioritize, I guess you could say. And do you have like any rules that you've set for yourself? Like, I don't know, um, that you don't use your devices at a certain time. I don't know. I'm just totally. uh, curious um, because for me, it's uh, helpful to set rules. I know that a lot of people find it restricting, but I find it extremely freeing because when I set rules, right, you know, I don't have the um, paralysis by analysis. I don't have too many choices. Like you yep. said at the beginning of the episode, I find that when I have rules, I don't have to think too much. And I'm just curious, do you have any rules when it comes to your digital um, minimalism? Yeah, no, I have a few. So one is um, phone gets turned off, usually correlating to the sunset. Um, this helps you sleep um, and blue light affects the way you sleep and a lot of what comes off of your phone even when you put uh, like the blue light blocker dimmer on it or like the night mode or whatever it's called um, it still affects your sleep so I usually I mean in just like life happens things happens you know it's not always perfect but I'd say like 90 to 95% of the time my phone is off on do not disturb 9 p.m. I actually don't even use an alarm clock for my phone. I have a specific alarm clock that actually wakes me up using light. It's a weird thing. Um, but I, yeah, just so that way I don't have to, I actually put my phone in a different room. And, and actually in this case, I put it in my bathroom where I have a charger. So it's not even by my bed and it just stays off. And usually then it's like reading a fictional book or something like that, just winding down or just reflecting on the day or something like that. And then the same thing applies for the morning. Um, I usually won't get on my phone. I usually wake up about an hour to two hours before I start doing work. And that time is usually for me to um, be outside, getting sunlight on my body and also um, reading a book or just like thinking about things. I'm a very, I'm an EN, ENTJ. So that's my Myers-Briggs and I, I'm a very big thinker. I think all of the time. And it's why I sometimes try the things that I do. And sometimes it's a bad thing. Sometimes it's a good thing, but I need thinking time. So that's uh, usually what I do when I'm not on my phone. And uh, yeah, I think there's also a time limit that I put on myself um, when it comes to social platforms. And uh, I've gotten to a point where actually I don't have to time myself anymore. It's become habit that I'm not on these platforms as much. So it's when I really notice, like you said, it, it is helpful to have these boundaries and guidelines and things saying, no, you can't do this. You have to do this. But if once you get to a certain point, it might be for certain things it, because you've done that for so long, it's a habit. And you don't even think about it, right? Where it's just like, yeah, like I, I used to track exactly how long I was on a social platform. I actually don't really do that anymore because it's just such a little amount of time. Like it's, you know, I don't even need to. But if you were to say like, I mean, I probably spend like an hour uh, for my personal work of social media, like maybe you know every two days or something like that. Like that's probably where I'm at with it. It's probably ten to 30 minutes a day of social like media that goes from like, you know, Instagram to all this different stuff. And then I have to like be on YouTube to respond to comments and stuff like that. But, you know, part of my brand is, is minimalism. So it wouldn't really be like, wouldn't really make sense if I was like pushing super hard on a platform and like, watch my video, do this, do this, you know, like that, that doesn't make sense. So 
you know, yeah, like if, that's why like honestly a lot of comments I can't respond to because that's not how I want to live my life and I don't recommend to, you know, so um, that's just how it is, so. Yeah, and I think um, the viewers understand that. I think I have to remind myself that because sometimes I'm scared that, you know, if I'm not gonna respond the second uh, someone comments, then, you know, they will hate me and go away. But uh, from my perspective, when I think about you, I think that if you signal that you are intentional about other things and that you focus on other things that then people, you know, understand that you don't necessarily want to spend all your time and they don't mind. Um, but this is something that I personally forget. I, like I said, a lot of the time uh, on this podcast, I forget sometimes to take my own advice and I do talk and give a lot of advice on here, but then sometimes I forget that uh, I should implement it to my life as well. Yeah, no, I do that all the time too. So yeah, I'll, I mean, you know, life happens, <laughs> things get off track a little bit as long as you're aware of it and then you know how to readjust and you can do it and it doesn't require a lot of brain power, you're good. But yeah, I like that. I like that because I, I mean, the same thing happened. I'll be like, Kate, why'd you do that? Why did you just spend 30 minutes on the social platform? What are you doing? You know, like, you know better than that. You tell people to not do that, you know? So sometimes you got to get on yourself and it's, it's fun to do that at times. So, yeah. <laughs> well, this was honestly so much fun. And I really am thankful uh, to you for coming on the show and taking the time to discuss all of the things and every little, you know, answering all of my questions. Um, I guess, no, I also have a one brief question, uh, because I'm very curious, uh, because if you can just in short talk about your experience in, with, you know, homeschooling and you said that you don't, wouldn't recommend it, but then you graduated at 16, which I think it's a thing that is quite admirable. So, um, why do you think it's uh, not something that would you, you would recommend? Um, well, so there's two things for it. So first of all, I think, so I, I, I do contribute a lot of things in life to my homeschooling, especially because it taught me that like, it, it wasn't at least the way that I was homeschooled. It was, it was all digital. So it wasn't like a parent teaching me. It was like a curriculum that you would buy and you would do on a computer, which is basically what we're doing now, right now that we have these, you know, virtual things going on and stuff like that. So it's interesting seeing that. Um, but also it wasn't like you need to do school from this time to this time. It was like, if you re retain the information, absorb the information and know how to apply it and you get it done and you get done at one, you can do whatever you want for the rest of the day. Right. So that's how it was for me. I'm not saying that's how it is for everyone, but it was, it was a great thing. The biggest issue that derived from it was social deprivation or uh, like basically I didn't have a social life growing up because um, you know, there wasn't a lot of people around. So when I did have a social life, um, when it started coming around, as I started getting like older and kind of into high school and stuff, um, it was, it was kind of bad because I had no boundaries, right? Like I had a friend and he's doing this. So I'm like, okay, like I don't, I haven't had friends growing up. So like, I want to do whatever he's doing cause he's a friend, you know? So it, like, it made me actually super extroverted. It's part of why I think I am extroverted. And I think that if you look at it from an educational standpoint of things, the best, amazing. But if you look at it from a social standpoint of things, it's bad. Okay. So how do you get I the get mix? It. How do you get the how do you get the correlation? Is an is an interesting thing. Um, but when I looked at the school system, and I started seeing how much time was wasted, 
on teachers, at least in the United States, I would I would argue are not the best. Um, even nowadays, not to be mean, but I don't respect most teachers that are out there. Um, especially they don't teach you to free think, right? Like a lot of what we talk about is free thinking. So it's like the ability to think on complex things and then also apply them and test them out and they may not work, they may not. But it just kind of creates these robots and systems and it's very, and it, and it also like when I was homeschooled and people were looking at me and it was, you know, of course these are kids in middle school and, you know, early high school. They're not the most, you know, emotionally intelligent. Um, so of course they were like, well, if this dude's doing school from home, what? That doesn't make any sense. You know, what is he learning? He probably just sits around all day. That must be great. But also he's different than us. So he's lesser. And, uh, that thinking is what the school system, in my opinion, creates, right? Where it's like, yeah, you're listening to your parents and your parents are telling you this is the right path. And you see someone going against it. You're like, there's no way this could be wrong. Right. And unfortunately, we've just been trained and conditioned to think that everything that we do that is the societal norm or societal right is the right thing, right? But we kind of have to step out of that and say, like, just be open-minded, right? Some people might benefit from going to school. Some people might benefit from homeschooling. There's even such things as unschooling. I don't know what the fuck that is, but it might, you know, it, there are some, I'm open-minded to some people benefiting from that, right? So it's all a matter of, you know, just like, trying things out. So anyways, I, uh, I don't know what the answer yeah. is. I don't know if it is homeschool, if it is public school, I think both need some sort of reformation, but there is the middle ground of if education has priority, then how do we focus on getting good education to people and also educating them on things they can actually use and apply and also still having, you know, the baseline of, you know, knowledge, but also how do we have the social aspect that it doesn't involve bullying that doesn't involve, you know, um, all these different things that I would argue are even worse. Like yeah. my, I, I think if I did get social, like, I think if I would have went to public school, who knows? I mean, those, those are the early times of your development and there's just a lot of toxic things involved in there. So I don't know what the answer is. I don't think it's homeschooling, but yeah. I absolutely agree. Okay. That was interesting. Thank you for your answer. And again, thank you for coming on and before we part ways would you like to um plug something or uh, ask something of the listeners or share a quote a recommendation or just basically any any closing thoughts yeah um so yeah you can find more information of uh my videos um if you go to youtube and type in Cade prior c-a-d-e P-R-I-O-R. And on there, you can find everything that you need to. Um, I have, you know, a website. I have my Instagram. I have different stuff that's going on everywhere. But I think there's potentially some videos that either are already there or that will come out someday that will add value potentially to you. And if you've made it this far along the podcast, well, good for you. You might, um, you know, find some other things on there valuable. But yeah, I think if there's a, one last thing I would say um, is that, yeah, the more open we, open-minded we are as a society to thinking differently about certain topics, the more benefits you're going to see. And always, anything in life, it's not for everyone. What works for me may not work for you, but you always have to assess risk versus reward and understand that a lot of things with high reward feel like they have high risk. And, uh, and that's, the, that's, this, that's the primal instinct in you that says, hey, danger is bad 
take less risks. But when we were surviving and in certain in, in, in industries, we had to take risks in order to survive. And just anything in life, just keep that in mind. The most beneficial things that you will have is stepping out of your comfort zone. You know, it's courage over comfort. And it's, you know, really pushing yourself to say, hey, like, I don't really want to sleep on the floor for two weeks. It might not work out. I might have back pain and waste my time, or it could be the most beneficial thing for me, right? Like, what is, what is the reward in comparison to risk? And I would also be open-minded that the reward could be something that changes your life forever because a lot of these little, little tweaks and little things that you could do have extremely high results. And even if they have risks, risk compared to reward is much higher. So that's it. Open-mindedness, taking risks. I'm all about, all about taking risks. I take risks every day. So, okay. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. Be open-minded and may the forest be with you, I guess. Live long and prosper. There you go. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> you got it. All right. Thanks so much. I gotta say, I live for conversations like this, you know, conversations full of insights and also during which I gain a completely new perspective on things I never gave a second thought. For instance, I never really thought about homeschooling and how it influences the kid because the only experience I ever had was just going to school. But homeschooling might come with a lot of advantages that I never thought of. I mean, provided, of course, that the parents do it properly and the kid also has a lot of um, social experiences. Because, I mean, the fact that Kate graduated at 16 is very admirable and I am sure that a part of it is that he is a very smart guy. But I think that no matter where you are in the world, the education systems just everywhere do not properly fit with the fast-paced and ever-changing world we are currently living in. I think that education is something very intriguing and just very important in my opinion. And I maybe I should find an expert in world education and bring her on him on the show. I never thought about that. We'll see. I will look for one. Um, thank you so much, Kate, for coming and sharing all your different experiences and stories with us. I really appreciate it. And if you, the listener, want to find Kate online, as always, all of the sources will be linked in the episode description. And now it is time for the Insights of the Week segment. So this past week, I had a bit of an existential crisis. It wasn't really anything serious, but I just realized that, you know, the podcast is doing great. My studies are fine. I can go run whenever I want. And just life is, for the lack of a better word, life is just effortless. And because of the pandemic, I have so much more time that I can devote to so many different projects. But I feel like I am wasting it on distractions. Because when I finish work, I go on a walk or watch something or scroll through social media or read a book that is just simply, you know, for fun and then it's nighttime and I go to sleep and the cycle starts all over again the next day. 
And I guess the routine just got to me recently. And look, I don't blame COVID because if it wasn't for the pandemic, we would live in a different routine, but still a routine. And actually, I think that this lockdown is an opportunity to reach deep down within ourselves because now there are no distractions. Usually, if I would think, why am I doing all of this? I would just, you know, think for a second and then give up and go somewhere or or travel and just find a different thing to think about. But now I don't have anywhere to escape this feeling that I need to find meaning or just, I don't know, a new challenge for myself. Although that new challenge will probably still be a distraction. So I just started to think about the meaning because I have recently often found myself distracted by watching something online. And I just said to myself, no, Julia, we are not doing that. But then I felt like, okay, so if we're not doing that, what should I do instead? What would be the meaningful thing to do? And what is the thing that I am distracting myself from? So I ended up thinking about what is the meaning of my daily actions and just my life and how it differs from others. And, you know, I cannot say that I have found a definite answer, uh, but I will share a couple of answers which felt right. And the first one was that I want to live a virtuous life and keep a balance between all of the things. I want to give love and I want to experience love. And not the romantic meaning of the word, but love as the feeling that you feel when you see the sun peeking through the leaves or when you bite into a very sweet peach. That kind of love. And the second answer was that I want to spend my life wanting to improve myself and therefore improving the world. And when I die, leave it better than I have found it when I was born. So I want to constantly grow, but at the same time, I want to not be attached to the outcome because, you know, I agree with Buddha who said that desire is the reason for all suffering. So I guess at this moment in my life, somewhere between these two answers is what I want to focus my actions on or you can call it the meaning of life I don't know and this is all nice and good but the question still remains what are the things I should spend my time on to live meaningfully and not be distracted because it's you know very nice to theorize about what is meaningful to you but it's arguably much more important to take actions and it might be different for you but the goals I set for myself after having uh, this small existential crisis was that A, I want to put more energy into my education because I am just so interested in how the world works, but the educational system in my life just drove me from enjoying learning the sciences and just art, whatever, which ties back nicely to what Kate was talking about in this episode. I just think that education is the most important 
reason for improvement and I don't devote it enough of my time and my effort. And the next goal is that I also want to spend more of my time creating rather than consuming and again not to be attached to the outcome of my creations. And lastly, I want to spend about 5 or 10% of my day actively helping others or working on something that will help others. If I, you know, talk so much about how I want this world to be a better place, I need to actually put my money where my mouth is and and do it. That help will probably take, you know, different approaches and I will keep you updated with how I go about doing it and and helping to improve the world and and helping others. And now when I think about it and I want to hear how much I have to say about this whole meaningful life thing, I might actually do a whole episode on it. Would you be interested in that? Let me know on Instagram or email me using the address podcast.beingbetter.gmail.com. Thank you so much for listening to this episode and for listening to my insights. And I will speak to you in the next one. written, edited and produced by Julia Spohr. If you want to learn more, visit the website attached in the show notes or visit our Instagram page, which you can also find in the show notes or you can just search Being Better Podcast. If you want to support the show, there are a couple of ways to do that. The first one is just to tell your friends about it and tell them that you like it and that they should listen to it as well. You can also share it on your social media platforms. Another way to support the show is to write a review, rate and subscribe to the podcast because that helps new listeners find the podcast as well. Thank you so much for all your support and for listening to this episode and I will speak to you very, very soon.